Hey, Red. Hey, Adam. So you're not going to be around for a little bit, right? Nope. I am getting married and I'm moving across the country, so I'm going to be taking the summer off from the podcast so I can get all that straightened out and I'll be back in the fall. All right. Well, good luck and we'll see you in September. Hi there, and welcome to Fibercast, the podcast for sellers by sellers. I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web One Two Three, and I am Ryan, aka Custom Drum Loops. And today we're joined by Kevin, who is Irish Guy One on Fiverr. And Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thank you. So Kevin, you actually came forward to us and pitched the idea of the topic for this show, which is we're going to summarize it as the F word. Why Fiverr shouldn't be a bad word for freelancers. So what made you decide to tackle this topic and approach us? Uh, well, I've been seeing a lot of uh, negative comments about Fiverr lately uh, amongst my circle of, uh, of colleagues and friends in the voiceover business. And it's really what brought me to Fiverr in the first place. Um, a friend was, was talking about Fiverr almost five years ago now, and um, I had no idea what it was. And he was, you know, as we say, he was using Fiverr as an F word. And that really kind of intrigued me and, and, and sparked my curiosity about what Fiverr was to begin with and why is it so bad? Um, so I looked into it and, you know, obviously I found that Fiverr is not so bad. And I, I think, uh, you know, that's I've made it my mission lately is to try to uh, sell my colleagues on using Fiverr as as a source of income, um, it's been a it's been a great source of income for me, and I you know I, I I try to rationalize with them, you know why Fiverr is good versus the way that they're doing business in the voiceover industry, which is not a bad thing, but with the economy and such being what it is, and companies even large companies looking for um, solutions to the overpriced voiceover. Uh, gigs, you know, Fiverr is, Fiverr is the great alternative. You know, I think it's interesting too, because both of you, Kevin and Adam work in industries on Fiverr where they seem to be two popular industries that people hate on the graphic design and the voiceover. So I think you both might have some interesting perspectives on this. I don't know if it's the same for Kevin, but when it comes to the graphic design, and it's been this way for a while, you have the graphic design agencies who don't seem to like the freelancers, and then you have the freelancers or certain freelancers who don't seem to like um, the aspect of Fiverr with the cheaper leading. And it's always it's always kind of been that way. But for me, it's a case of picking and choosing what service you can actually offer for the broken down price as opposed to undervaluing yourself because there seems to be a common misconception if someone in an agency is charging say $500 for a logo and they come onto Fiverr and they see a $50 logo they kind of think to themselves well that's 10 times cheaper than I am that's you know they either massively undervalue themselves or it's a bit of a ripoff on that part and I mean to that I would say it's all about picking and choosing the service you offer for the person or the agency offering $500 for a logo the chances there are you know they're kind of they're sketching it out they're sending multiple drafts multiple sketches until they even get to you know the actual digitizing aspect of it and then taking it from there whereas on a platform like Fiverr you can kind of say right we're going to go with two revisions both are going to be digitized from the start and we can move on from there 
So for that client who doesn't necessarily need the whole back and forth and all this other aspect of that logo, they're receiving a stripped down service. And I'm not spending, you know, as much time as that $500 gig is or that $500 agency is. And it kind of pans out. But a lot of people don't seem to kind of see it that way or realize it works that way. Is that something you've noticed as well, Kevin? Absolutely. It's all about perception um, from the people who, who view Fiverr as, um, as a, you know, a cheap alternative. Um, it's, it really comes down to, well, okay, I'm not giving a half hour you know, narration with music and production for $5. Um, so as far as educating people who, who have that perception, um, you know, that's, that's part of the challenge. But I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, voiceover artists will spend equal amount of time in doing the same work as, as a graphic artist would do with, you know, sending out demos and doing follow-ups and, and this, that, and the other thing. Whereas on Fiverr, you know, I'm knocking out, you know, 10 or 20 uh, voicemails a day. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of that is developing your process. And so when you're on Fiverr and you do it enough, you, you get to a point where you are more skilled at doing that higher volume than someone who doesn't do that. And I think touching on what Adam said, that adds sort of another element of not only the agencies that dislike people on Fiverr, but also some of the freelancers who can't adjust to a changing marketplace. They can't develop a system that works. Instead of trying to figure out a different creative way, they immediately write it off as sweatshop labor or the quality's not good, which isn't the case most of the time. I mean, Kevin, you know this, you know, the equipment you use versus the equipment, someone who doesn't work on Fiverr, who charges a lot more, they might be the same exact thing. So in terms of quality, you're getting something that is very comparable and 99.9% .9 of the people, unless they're audio engineers, might not even be able to tell the difference. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's a thousand prof uh, quote unquote professional voiceover artists who are uh, you know in their closet with a uh, with a cheap microphone and a and a laptop uh, charging charging the same prices as the true professionals. So yeah, there's cheap voiceover artists on both sides, either in the non-fiber world and in the fiber world, and you just gotta you gotta be careful about you know who you're who you're selecting. And I mean, it is subjective too. you know, some people might want that booming radio voice sound and some people are, might be looking for the everyday voiceover sound. So, you know, I think you have both sides where you have people that have, you know, top notch, top level equipment selling on Fiverr, but then you also have people who pitch themselves as a professional that are, you know, recording on a USB mic on their laptop. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point because it's also all about the buyer's needs. And when it comes to things like voiceover, really the ultimate or unique selling point of that service is the voice at the end of the day. It's not so much how much it's been mastered or rendered. And the fact is, if you come on somewhere like Fiverr and there's someone doing it as a hobby, you know, $5, 30 seconds, that's kind of all they offer. And it's a dry recording. As a buyer, you can come on, you can grab that $5 dry recording, and then you can take it to other places on Fiverr to go get it remixed and mastered and made to the degree that you want. So it all kind of depends on what the buyer is looking for. If they're looking for the fully polished, finished product, then they go to someone with the equipment ready. If they're looking for the, you know, the unique voice and they find something they love, they can then take that forward. But coming back to what you said about um, the process as well, Ryan, I think that's an absolute key area because when you often look at, 
external or um, alternative working processes. If I were to come to Kevin and say, hey, Kevin, you know, I've got this script. It's three minutes long. Can you, you know, do me a couple of demos? Can you record out for me? Now, if Kevin had to book in studio time, whether that's in his own studio or whether that's, you know, in an external studio, even if it's your own studio, running that equipment will cost you money. So the fact is you can't, you're not really going to book in the studio time for, to make it valuable for three minutes. The chances are you're going to be there for about 30 odd minutes. Whereas, you know, that is going to take up your time. That's going to reflect in the cost. But when you're on somewhere like Fiverr and you've got, you wake up in the morning and you check your orders, and you've got a list of everything you can do. You can go into that studio and rather than spending, you know, like 30 minutes on one recording, you can kind of do 10, 20 recordings in 30 minutes, send it out and maximize your time efficiently. So you're, pretty much probably earning the same ratio of wage as one recording elsewhere. But you're, as you say, Ryan, you're optimizing your workflow. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we sort of take for granted that we have spent, you know, thousands of orders in years putting that together. And that's not something that's easy to do, you know, for new sellers and people who don't do that, they don't understand that concept of developing that process or maybe not under maybe they don't misunderstand it but they haven't done it yet so they haven't figured out a way to make it work for them versus we have and that's why we understand when you get that process you can block out time and make even more per hour than if you were doing just the standard freelance work i think yeah i think that's key you know when i when, one of the things i try to uh, explain to the 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 narrow-minded uh, folks who who view fiber negatively um, especially in the in the voiceover industry, but it's I think it's it it transcends among all the creative services. Uh, you know how much time? What is your hourly rate for accomplishing this voiceover? And you know, compared to the hourly rate that I'm making accomplishing the same voiceover, you know, um, and and sometimes it sinks in sometimes it doesn't but i think i think it's again how how you set yourself up you're right is is uh whether or not you're going to be successful at it i think yeah doing that when you optimize with your gig extras you can even earn more per hour you know for example a hundred dollar order might take you the same amount of time as a five dollar order depending on what you how you offer your extras and how you position those so that's one thing that people don't realize is it's all about finding that average order price and what you want to work at per certain hour and making it work. Yeah, I mean, for me, I actually when you know, when I've got the orders in place, I actually earn more on fiber per hour than I do in my external job, um, which is running a web development company. And that's simply because. You know, you can charge someone a per hourly rate for development work, but there's always going to be a cap. You can't turn around and say, I'm going to charge you this much because that, you know, it might take their mick a little bit. But the fact is on Fiverr, if you've got six or seven orders, like you say, Ryan, that you can do in under an hour because you perfected that queue, you might let, let's say turn around and you do, I don't know, seven orders at $30 a pop. So that's $210. So if you go to someone you know, outside or to a, an external client and say, my hourly rate is $210 an hour, that's, that's an expensive hourly rate. You know, that's like lawyer fees. So <laughs> when, you're, when you're trying to justify that to a single client, it becomes more difficult. You become more bespoke and you have a very high set clientele, which is obviously a harder thing to do. But if you're pitching that as $30 jobs to seven clients and you can do that in an hour, that market is a lot easier to break into. It's a lot easier to crack than it is to crack a market of one client, $200 plus an hour. 
You know, that's very true. And I mean, I think touching back on what I said earlier in relation to that, you know, say if you get a, a $5 order and it takes you five minutes to do, but then you get your next order that's that $5 base order, but they also order the source files. They order a day faster delivery. They order uh, different formats. You know, all of those are probably going to be sort of time-free extras that you're adding on. So you're spending the same amount of time on that project, but because they want a more all-inclusive package, you're making more in that time frame. Yeah, as you, as you say, it's about finding that balance where for me, my logo design service, if someone just comes to me and orders the cheapest package, it's uh, it's okay, but it's you could call it maybe a borderline loss leader if you like. But I spend so much time and effort on the upsell afterwards that when they come back, it goes from being, you know, kind of borderline to an okay wage to majorly ramped up through, as you say, pretty much passive upsells because when you're creating a logo, you are also creating the source file along with it, but it's about retaining those rights or retaining that file format until they're paying additional price. So for the buyers, that works perfectly because often I have buyers come to me, they've just launched a website and they want a logo set up. I'll set up a logo for them. They walk away happy. You know, I've, I've earned money from that. And then their business will do well. They come back and say a month's time and say, hey, you know, our business has done fantastically. We're now looking to print some business cards and we're looking to print some posters. Can we have the source files as well? And then, you know, I don't really know many other areas where you would be able to have an upsell that's passive for a continuous period of time. You know, I've, I've had clients come back to me as much as about a year afterwards asking for the upgrade files. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's true. You don't really find that anywhere. And that's where from that seller's perspective, you have that always to sell in the future, but also from the buyer's perspective, when they get that initial base price, they have that extra room in the budget, not spending all up front to then, you know, experiment with buying traffic or with running ads to their site. They have extra room with that money to grow their business to a point where they can come back and then get that from you. So it's win-win for both sides, the buyer and the seller. Yeah, I guess you guys in in the other creative fields had that that option with with voiceover. You know, um, you know, I've seen some people who who uh, offer it, but they don't they don't do any mastering, they don't do any, any editing. Um, you know, um, I suppose for for them, there, there's an opportunity for them to upsell to uh, to get the full package. I you know, I sent I sent out a quality product. You know, ready ready to go. And yeah, I mean, that's part of your, that's part of your process. You know, that's part of your strategy for selling. And I mean, I think it's going to vary seller to seller with what they do. You know, I think I've seen some voiceover artists that sell commercial rights to the voiceovers. I know some yeah. offer the the broadcast quality mastering and things like that, but you know, I think it depends on the person and, you know, cause you can charge differently for word counts. There's all sorts of different ways you can strategically price your product to stand out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think as we're talking about it, it kind of comes down to two um, different scenarios or a combination of the two scenarios where you either have a service where you can do a passive upsell for not too much extra work and it's more a case of giving rights or, or additional formats or you're able to streamline a work process to fit more into your time. So with logos and um, maybe video animations and stuff like that, you can give more file formats. With things like voiceovers, as opposed to spending a large chunk of time on one, you can split that to do multiples in a short amount of time and i think really um the great thing about fiverr as well is it not only allows you to create that process 
but it also saves you money in a sense as well because the Fiverr itself, the platform, is almost like a personal assistant in the way it's set up with things like the to-dos, the queues, the lists and everything else. I mean, I've freelanced before and I've worked other places and often I'm there inside my email account responding to messages, trying to group them together, trying to keep track of everything. And often when you're quite busy, you need to maybe look to hiring help. But on Fiverr, the way it's everything's set up as well, you're effectively using an assistant for freelancing. It's like a marketplace. I mean, for both the buyer and the seller, the seller has their products out facing the buyers and the buyer can come and look what the seller's offering. There's not too many places, especially with freelancing where that happens. You know, you have the, you post your project, then you got bombarded with a bunch of emails. You then have to go filter through those prices, filter through those portfolios versus on Fiverr, you go and everything's in front of you and you can do it at your own leisure. That's a, that's actually a really good point to mention. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, for me, Fiverr is one of the few places where that kind of, dynamic or relationship is is turned around where as you say it's buyers coming to sellers as opposed to sellers coming to the buyer yeah i think marketplace that's that's a great example of what what fiber really is it is a marketplace and it you know it gives you an opportunity as a seller to here's what i offer here are all my prices here are my demos um here are real examples in the portfolio section here are real examples of of what i've recorded um versus someone who is not on the fiber platform um, has to spend time, money, energy to to do all that. You have real world reviews right there too. So they can see the reviews even right in those one spots from actual users. Exactly. I think the key word there is passive because you only set up you know your gig once you may tweak it now and again but you set up your gig and it pretty much manages it yourself where when you're looking at um freelance and elsewhere you are you're always kind of chasing the client chasing up with them seeing um if they want to hire you showing them examples as you say whereas on fiber it's a marketplace as you say you set it up and the buyers come to you which again saves so much time and energy and i don't think enough credit is given to the platform for that so when people kind of look at it and say oh it's not great for freelancers really it saves so much time and energy that again you could afford to maybe lower your rates a little bit because you're saving money by not having to spend the time and energy doing things you would elsewhere exactly So let me ask you both to debunk a couple of F-word myths. So I know we touched on this a little bit, but the first being that Fiverr is sweatshop labor, stealing jobs from insert to blank. What would you say to someone who approaches you with that argument? What I would uh, say is, first of all, um, in general, anything is a free marketplace. So the price someone wants to set themselves or the price someone else wants to set is completely up to them. It's all down to what you're willing to do and how you pitch yourself in that way. But nine times out of 10, you can guarantee the person setting their price knows why they're setting that in that way. So if you see someone on Fiverr offering something for $5, such as a logo, and you think, wow, that is so cheap for what it is, what you don't see is the background process they have to maximize the revenue for their time spent and to actually make that very worthwhile for them. So when people are saying it's sweatshop or it's very undervalued, the truth is nine times out of 10, it isn't because there's so much going on behind the scenes process wise that they're probably doing very well. That's very true. And I know you mentioned the concept of using it as a loss leader and I do the same thing. 
you know, it's, you, you can set that base price lower knowing that you'll make it back on the back end. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different elements to it where I, I in fact, actually just today I had someone come to me and they purchased uh, a logo, I think it was for $20. And after the gig finished, they said, OK, you know, I don't really need anything else logo wise, but I see on your profile you do websites. How much would you charge to build a website? And we're currently discussing and securing that order, which is obviously a lot more than $5 or $20. But having that product or that service out there got them in, gave them a small taste for a small fee. They became happy. The risk got reduced. And now we're moving on to bigger projects. Yep. And they know the quality and the communications there, which is a big, big deal for a lot of people in addition to the price. And with Fiverr now offering uh, sellers uh, the options of doing packages, I, I can offer you a tremendous product for $25 for $50 or whatever. And that's, and that's now the starting price. One of the gigs I offer is website reviews where I start off by offering 10 tips to improve your website. Now the first ever review I wrote took me 90 minutes to write. Since then, my process has gotten a lot better. I put a lot of time and energy and effort into doing that. And the time it takes me now to do a website review is very, very, very marginal compared to that. But the fact is, I had to start off low to build my reputation, to build up uh, my process and everything else along these lines. So you might find someone offering a service for $5, but if it's picking up and they're doing it successfully and they're doing it well, come back in a month later and they probably would have upped their price and expanded their service. So it's all about having that kind of initial leading. And, you know, we mentioned the loss leader aspect to be able to get to a point where you can alter your dynamic. I think that's interesting too and it also leads into something else and that's the fact that when you're paying a lower price like five dollars or ten dollars you're going to get something that's cheap or bad quality and i definitely don't think that's true uh, with fiverr you know people who have bad experiences buying i think they go in to something with expectations that are very unrealistic. You know, I see it doing explainer videos. They send the Dropbox video or the Amazon explainer video and say, my budget's $10. Can you make something like this? You know, it's <laughs> not, not understanding that those videos are probably 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollar videos. So that, you know, if you go into wanting this full branding process for your brand and order through a logo designer and you get something back that you don't like. And the cool thing about Fiverr, it has, you know, millions of gigs and millions of sellers. And I always compare it to YouTube. There are a ton of terrible videos on YouTube. But if you oh. were to go and watch one video and write off the whole entire site and say every video on YouTube is terrible because I watched this one video, that, that would just seem ridiculous. But so many people approach Fiverr with that same mentality where I had one bad experience. Maybe it was unrealistic expectations. Maybe they just hit a bad seed, you know, but don't give up on the whole site because of one experience. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it, it's funny. It, you really hit a nerve there. I, I don't do uh, explainer videos, but I do you know, regular commercial videos using uh, stock images and such. And, and it, it astounds me how many people will, will say, can you do something like this? And they'll link a YouTube video that has professional actors and sets and the whole nine yards. Can you, can you do that for $5? <laughs> and then I have to explain to them, well, A, I don't do live actors because they cost a lot more than $5. But here's what I can do for you. And that's, I think that's where the, the, uh, the portfolio sections uh, really are helping. You know, here's, here are examples of what I can do for you. 
I think the comparison to uh, YouTube is absolutely genius because I think when people have a habit of talking about Fiverr and talking about the you know the services available, they seem to put it under the banner of Fiverr and not under the banner of the service provider on Fiverr. So as you say, there's always going to be different levels of quality and varying services. But then again, Fiverr is almost like a, a search engine, if you like, in the sense that it allows you to find services, it indexes them, if you like, and it gives you the filters available to choose what best suits you. So what other misconceptions do you have, Ryan? Or common misconceptions have you heard? So one other big one is, is maybe you can help with this one, Adam, because it's specifically tailored to graphic design. And I personally have an opinion on this, but I'll be curious to hear your take. And that's the fact that when you go to get a logo, it's the most important thing that represents your branding. And you need to have that set before you proceed with anything else. And someone on Fiverr who's cranking them out is not going to be able to take the time to go and understand your brand and understand your concept and nail exactly what you're looking for before you can proceed with everything else with your business. So I would disagree with that in the sense that as long as the the designer is managing their time correctly, if anything, doing a high amount of logos is actually going to give you a better perspective of what a company needs. So when I'm actually busy, my creative juices flow a lot more. And I often have buyers come to me and they give me an idea and they're, you know, they're not really sure what they're looking for or they aren't really 100% or they may ask for something and I'm thinking that's going to look terrible. And I'll kind of, you know, I actually ask in my gig description, do you want to give me free reign or do you want to give me extra details? And most of the time people give me free reign and the experience that I've picked up from always thinking, always working, working on so many different concepts and so many different aspects is I often send something back and they kind of think, oh, wow, I didn't even think of that at all. But if I'm sat down on quiet, often you kind of find it dry up. I mean, if I worked on one logo a month and someone approached me, I would probably spend a lot of time trying to think of an idea or a concept, not knowing what other industry sectors are doing, not knowing what the competitors are doing, having not you know kind of worked on that. And maybe that's why the, the price is higher for um, certain agencies, because they do less. So it takes more time or effort to kind of get up to date with that industry. Whereas if someone comes to me today now and says, I want a fitness logo, I do quite a lot of fitness logos. So I know what's going to look saturated. I know what's going to be quite unique. I know what sort of color schemes you usually associate with fitness. I know what color schemes you want to avoid. And that's all from actively working. Whereas if I did a fitness logo six months ago, I would have to do so much research to keep up to date with that. And especially with how fast the marketplace evolves right now, you know, with technology changing so quick. And I'm probably going to get bashed on the head by every graphic designer I run into by saying this. But in my opinion, that initial start with the logo doesn't matter that much because you can always change it. And I mean, look at Instagram. I mean, they just did a massive overhaul of their logo. So it's I don't think it's as much. As it used to be, you know, like the Nike swoosh, like, okay, that's it. That represents their branding. But, you know, with digital marketing and things like that, it changes so frequently. I mean, go look at how many brands have changed their logos just in the past 10 years. Yeah, I think when it comes to um, logo design, uh, it's not always the conviction of how it's achieved. It's the, the better thing to look at is the proof of concept. So, 
you know, we see websites or um, companies all the time changing their logo or changing their branding. I mean, Uber changed their logo, I think it was the beginning of this year or near the end of last year. And although it's quite different to their old design, it retains the proof of concept. Google changed their design recently. It still retains the proof of concept. Instagram, again, has retained the proof of concept. So even if you're coming onto Fiverr and you come on with an open mind and you think, right, I'm going to hire... 20 different $10 gigs. I'm going to spend $200 and have a look at what's available. You may get varying degrees of um, quality come back depending where you're looking. But if you get a proof of concept that comes back or an idea that you absolutely love, that is more than worth the, the, the money that you've invested. And you can either um, hire someone to improve that further on Fiverr. You could look elsewhere. Completely up to you. But for me, when it comes down to logo, the proof of concept is normally more important than the literal design, because even if you do redesign, as long as you retain that proof of concept, you've maintained the, the key brand of the business. And some like Uber were fairly drastic redesigns. I mean, that, that was a pretty big shift in terms of the look. Oh, yeah, definitely. In terms of the look, it's completely different. But when you look at it, the proof of concept, you can see is still there. You can still see it related to what uber is i mean to my knowledge it's picked up quite a lot of negative um publicity on the actual design itself but people still know it's uber yep and, and it's all it's all subjective especially with um with logos and in branding well, i mean even even look at airbnb too that's another one that's the that's the other bit as well when it comes to um branding and logos i always find it funny when you kind of see um designers critique each other's work in quite a negative light because although it's good you know to follow certain trends or certain patterns and some things are generally you know preferred by a majority as opposed to a minority at the end of the day it all comes down to what the buyer likes now i've created logos before that i've loved and the buyers wanted to change it after changing it sometimes i thought personally i thought it looked nicer beforehand but if the buyer likes it and they're subjective to that who am I to argue or question what they what they want? You know, they're hiring me as a logo designer in that respect. So I think it all comes down to what, you know, the buyer wants as well and how that's reflected in the work. It's very true. I think sometimes it's uh, it's easier to please a buyer who has no idea of what they want. Uh, I think you can wow them because with more experience that you have, you can kind of feel, you know, what they really want and give it to them. Whereas I think buyers who come in with this preconceived idea of what this is exactly what I want. And you know, if you don't, if you don't interpret that correctly, you're not going to give them what's in their mind. I've actually, uh, I, I've experienced, uh, the opposite of that in some respects where sometimes I actually have designers come to me to purchase logos for their clients, not specifically for their clients. It's not their final deliverable, but, just because they've gotten to the point where they know so much that they're set in their own mindset and they need a fresh take or, or a fresh perspective on something. So going somewhere like Fiverr and picking up a proof of concept, you know, for what's relatively a small amount of money, that's not going to break into their margins. It helps to give that fresh idea or to look into it further. 
in the same way when i've um do my website reports i often have a lot of companies come to me and offer them white label because they're pitching changes and stuff to their client's website but having worked with this client you know had this contract with this client for years they're trying to think of fresh things that they can do that they haven't already mentioned in the past so it's almost like consulting if you like with other professionals to to get that fresh take or that fresh look on it the buyers who for me don't know what they're looking for are some of my hardest buyers because some will turn around and go wow this is exactly it this is what i've nailed but then others will kind of turn around and it's the mindset of i don't know what i'm looking for but it's not that can you do something again mm. and then you do something again and they go i don't know what i'm looking for it's not that but can you do i'll know it when i see it and you're kind of thinking okay this is this is difficult <laughs> i get I'm not, okay i'm not there with you kind of thing yeah Maybe it's the differences between our, our two uh, our two creative industries. You know, I, I found that most people when they say I I you know I don't I don't know what I'm looking for. You know, I've got a medical office. You know, record a voicemail greeting, but I don't know what kind of approach I want. Well, you know, I've recorded hundreds of medical office voicemail greetings, so I know what you want, and I usually wow them. But I, I guess it I guess it changes from industry to industry. I, I agree with Kevin on that one to an extent of you get people that come in and say, all right, just just picture Morgan Freeman and mix that with Bruce Willis and just do a voiceover that sounds like that. <laughs> you know, and they have, they have these specific images in their mind. I mean, I say it too with explainer videos, you know, the whole start in a sandbox and it zooms out and it's a desert and it zooms out again. And, it, you know, it's you get you, when people have these specific things in their mind, it's off, often near impossible to recreate. Yeah. So when you have that that element of freedom, it gives you relies on your professionalism and your experience to deliver the product. Yeah. And I think with fiber, you can see that in a seller by uh, the level that they're at, the number of gigs they've completed, you know, their feedback and so forth. So what advice would both of you give to someone coming to Fiverr as a buyer to avoid the F word experience, to get the true Fiverr experience what should they look for when they search for gigs? Um, what questions should they ask the seller? What should they do to make the fiber process as awesome as possible when they're buying something? So my recommendation is kind of threefold. The first one is to shop around and see what options are available. The second one is to kind of um, don't put all your eggs into one basket. So if you're looking for a logo design, maybe order from five different people at the lower set package or the lower price to get a varying degree. And then the third one leaves off of that where come in at if you have any reservations or you aren't quite sure or if you haven't worked with a seller before and you know you're a little bit reserved, come in at the lower price and you can always upgrade later on from that. Because you know, if you come away and you think, well, actually that didn't turn out how I wanted it to, but you spent five dollars completely fine you look for another seller whereas if you spend a hundred dollars and you say that didn't turn out how i wanted it to at all you may have soaked up your budget doing that so it's all kind of finding that balance because as i say although i would stress it's only if you have reservations now those reservations for me are reduced the more ratings you see on a seller or um, the level of the seller and so on and so forth so it really just for me comes down to shopping around looking um, to put your eggs in multiple baskets. And if you've got any reservations, act upon that. What about you, Kevin? Uh, I, agree, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I, I think also if a buyer has come to Fiverr to begin with, then Fiverr is not such a F word to start off with. So, you, so you've got them. They've, they've, they've taken the carrot, as it were. Uh, but I agree w with Adam. Just 
to shop around, see what the seller offers, see what the feedback for them is. Again, I I keep going back to the portfolio. It's been the greatest thing since bread and butter. Uh, (laughs) Sliced bread and butter. (laughs) Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Uh, You can see you can see what the seller offers beforehand before you before you jump in the pool. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's very true because I mean I have seen samples before where coming back to your your Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman um, voiceover, Ryan, where people kind of say, I ordered this voiceover and it sounded nothing like Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman. And you're kind of like, oh, who did you order it from? Oh, um, this British guy. And you kind of think, well, <laughs> if, you, if you have a look at the portfolio and make sure the, the seller is a right fit for you, then it's more likely to come off the way you want it to. But again, I think that kind of falls under... The, the perception of, of some buyers where they see Fiverr as the entity, as the main provider, and they don't seem to have a distinction between the individual sellers. So if you want a voiceover, you don't buy from Fiverr, you buy from a service provider who's on Fiverr. So it's all about finding that service provider who actually matches your criteria. Because if you're looking for an American accent and you're hiring from a British guy, chances are it's not going to be how you want it to be. Right. And I mean, I think to even take that a step further, if you were to work with someone who's done a lot on Fiverr, you know, for example, if I do explainer videos and someone says, I need a radio style voiceover from someone who's truly a professional, they can dig through my network. You know, we do so much work on Fiverr that there's chances are that we have a lot of connections for different gigs. So I would say, ask people that you like and have good experiences with who they recommend because that way you're probably going to get somebody who has the same similar style approach to customer service and quality and different things like that. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the more relationships that you establish with sellers, uh, you know, that, that increases your network for, uh, for new sellers for, for new buyers rather. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you become a trusted source and a connector, you know, so it, it builds even more trust with that, that buyer to potentially refer more clients your way. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks again to Kevin for joining us. You can find him on Fiverr at IrishGuy1. Our jingle today was made by Ryan, aka Custom Drum Loops. And as always, we were edited by Dancha. Thanks again and see you next week. Fiber,